اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم قال الله تبارك وتعالى إنا جعلنا ما على الأرض زينة لها لنبلوهم أيهم أحسن عملا إنا جعلنا ما على الأرض زينة لها لنبلوهم أيهم أحسن عملا Last week we looked at the wisdom which said ما قادك شيء مثل الوهم ما قادك شيء مثل الوهم which means nothing leads you like suspicion and we described that now today it's the precursor for this, the basis for this. Um, the whole discussion last time was that, uh, the, the conclusion of last week's talk, the suspicion we're speaking about here is essentially the thought at any level, at any level, whether that be just a notion, whether it be doubt, or whether it be a full opinion, uh, preponderant opinion, that my benefit can come from Allah, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what is basically being been driving us all this time away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that somebody else can do something for us. Whereas that cannot be the yaqeen and the reality. Because the reality is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is behind everything. Right? That's the reality. So today, it's talking about the basis of this way. He says, Ibn Ata'illah rahimahullah says, مَا بَسَقَتْ أَغْسَانُ ذُلٍ إِلَّا عَلَى بِذْرِ طَمَعٍ مَا بَسَقَتْ أَغْسَانُ ذُلٍ إِلَّا عَلَى بِذْرِ طَمَعٍ were, were it not for the seeds of ambitious desire, the branches of disgrace would not be lofty. Let's look at that again. Were it not for the seeds of ambitious desire, if we didn't have ambitious desire and we didn't plant the seeds of ambitious desire and then they grow into something, we wonder how big our tree is. The branches of disgrace would not be lofty. Of course, he is bringing in the whole, the metaphor of the tree and the seeds and so on. But what he means is something much more to the core. Now, I want to also clarify something else before we carry on. That whenever um, we're doing this majlis and when we're speaking at this level of these really compl uh, complex, profound matters, then you have to remember that they're not isolated. So, whatever you hear today, they must be seen in the world view of everything else that you've heard. What I mean by that is, um, in any subject, and especially such an emotional one as spirituality, sometimes what happens, many times what happens is, when they speak about one particular point, like for example, they start speaking about greed, or they're speaking about love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they speak about it so exclusively, that it almost seems like, Everything else is nothing. Or that's all we must focus on. And sometimes the, for the initiate, for the beginner, and you know we're all beginners, but I'm, I'm just trying to uh, preempt any problem here, um, that we must understand it in view of everything else. For example, if he's going to speak about khawf, how much we should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's going to speak about it sometimes in an extreme sense just to really drive the point home as to what khawf 
and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. But that, and when we're listening to it in that vacuum or in that majlis or in that particular program, it seems like there is no hope. Do you understand? It seems like there is no hope then. It's all about fear. But this is just so that at least the seeds of fear can be planted. So we know what it means to fear. If you're going to speak about hope, then it's going to be so much about hope that there's no such thing as fear. Because the discussions sometimes are exclusive with the understanding that somebody's going to read through the entire book or through all the aphorisms and then they will get a nice comprehensive understanding. So, I mean, you guys have been coming for a long time anyway, so I just thought I'll clarify that, that anybody who's listening, then they should not take any of these points to be exclusive and just run with those points to the exclusion of everything else. Oh, this is what we, he said. No, it has to be fit in because Islam is very comprehensive and this is just one of the rich points that needs to be understood. And the only reason we're singling it out is so that we can understand it properly. Um, what he's saying here today is, مَا بَسَقَتْ أَغْسَانُ ذُلِّنْ إِلَّا عَلَى بِذْرِ طَمَعٍ were it not for the seeds of ambitious desire, the branches of disgrace would not be lofty. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَنَخْلَ بَاسِقَاتٍ لَهَا uh, It has long. Basiqat means long. طويلات. So, طَمَع What is طَمَع? What is ambitious desire? That's طَمَع. Ambitious desire. It's تَعَلُّقُ الْقَلْبِ مَا فِي أَيْدِ الْخَلْقِ for the heart to be associated with whatever people have, whatever people can do for you. Whether it be something, a commodity in their hand, or whether it be a service that they can provide, or whether it be some kind of benefit that they, you think they can give you. That's what you call tama. Tama essentially means for the heart to become associated uh, with that which is in the hands of people. And for your heart to peek towards other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To look out towards other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole kind of concept of this is that if you're in a building, stuck, and you're looking through the window, and there's only some areas that you can look, the shawf means that you're kind of looking out to see who can help you. So you're looking, we're looking at creation all the time, away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ أَصْلُ شَجَرَةِ الذُّلِّ now this all might sound quite practical because this is what we do all the time. But he is saying, he's making a claim now. He's saying, This is the seeds of the tree of disgrace. You're doing this is the, are the seeds for the tree of disgrace. You're basically sowing the seeds of disgrace by doing this. And now we think about ourselves. We've been doing this all our life. This is what everybody does. So essentially... This is where disgrace comes from. How? فَمَا بَسَقَدْ أَغْسَانُ الشَّجَرَةِ الذُّلِّ إِلَّا عَلَى ذَرِيعَةِ الطَّمْعِ Because there's no way that you can plant these seeds of disgrace except through this kind of desire, ambitious desire. And that, that is why uh, Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi used to say وَاللَّهِ مَا رَأَيْتُ الْعِزَّ إِلَّا فِي رَفْعِ الْهِمَّةِ عَنِ الْخَلْقِ By Allah, I've never seen honor except by removing all desire from people desire from people the reason why so what is the reason for this claim why is it that we're sowing the seeds of 
disgrace by constantly just associating our wants and needs from people it's because in doing that we've abandoned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لِأَنَّ صَاحِبَ الطَّمْعِ تَرَكَ رَبَّا عَزِيزًا because let me let me translate this literally because that that has more nuance because the person with this kind of ambitious desire has abandoned the lord that is mighty the powerful lord and وَتَعَلَّقَ بِعَبْدٍ حَقِيرٍ and he's put all of his desire in a feeble human being so then he's become feeble like him. He's become feeble like him. Right? I mean, in the associations we know of the dunya, there are certain weak ones, there are certain strong ones. People who are more powerful, they have stronger associations, they get away with more. So it's that kind of a thing here. Except that we've abandoned, we, uh, in terms of the dunya, in terms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of this is weak. He's abandoned the noble, generous, benevolent Lord and he's associated himself with a servant that is in need. So he's come into need as well because of him, like him. And he's stopped, he's abandoned his aspirations towards the enriched Lord and he's lowered his himma and his aspiration towards a lowly creature. Inna Allah ala qadri himmatihi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must realize, only gives to somebody according to the level of their himma and aspiration to Allah. The hadith mentions it very clearly. I am with my servant as he thinks of me. So as much himma as we have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he can do this for me, this is how he will deal with us. The other thing is, he's supposed to be Abdan Lillah, he's supposed to be a servant of Allah. Hurram Mimma Siwa, free of anybody else. Fasara Abdan Lil Makhluk, but he's become a servant for the Makhluk. Wa Abdan Linafsihi Wahawa, and he's become a servant to himself and his desires. He's become a servant to his own desires. Because whenever you begin to love something and you have a desire for it, you will become its servant. You will become its slave. And when you abandon hope in anything, when you abandon hope in anything and you raise your himma away from it, you take your himma and your aspirations away from it, you will become free of it. That's why a poet says, Al-Abdu hurrum ma asa tama'a wal hurru mahma ta'ahu abdu. Same kind of meaning that a slave becomes a free person when he disobeys his desire. The worldly desires we're speaking about. Whereas the free person, as long as he continues to obey his desire, will remain a slave. That's why one of the Mashaikh said, Kun ayyuhal abdu Ibrahimiyan. O servant, be a Ibrahimi. Be like Ibrahim alayhi salam.
فقد قال أبوك إبراهيم يفاض إبراهيم عليه السلام has said لا أحب الآفلين in the Quran when he goes through these phases of looking at the stars the moon and he then gives up in them he's looking for he's looking for guidance he's looking for meaning of this meaning in this world he was a thinker from before he used to reflect so he looked at the sun he looked at the stars and when they went down when they disappeared he said no that can't be source for anything that can't be a sustainer then the moon shines brighter but then that also went down so he says la uhibbul afilin afilin means those which set those which disappear those that will give up so be like ibrahim alayhi salam everything other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is afil will disappear that's why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says millata abikum ibrahim you need to follow the milla of your your father forefather ibrahim so these stories that are related in the Quran about the prophets, they're not just there for examples, they're there for points of view about humanity, about reflection, about reality of the dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been very selective in what he's included in the Quran. Out of, imagine the literally billions, infinite number of experiences, incidents that have taken place in the past with prophets that we know about and that we don't know about. 124,000 prophets. He chose these very few select ones. Right? They're only well known because they're in the Quran. Ibrahim is only known to us because he's in the Quran. I mean, otherwise, how would we know him if he wasn't in the Quran and the, and the Sunnah? So, there's a reason why he's chosen them. Maybe somebody can actually do a study of the stories of the prophets and the exact kind of meaning that it provides, the significance of those meanings. It's like a PhD thesis, like a real in-depth. That's why it's wajib on the believer that they follow the millet of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And in the millet of Ibrahim alayhi salam, it is to take your aspirations away from creation. Because the example, now for us, this might seem very difficult. Where do we start? What's the ending of this? We know the ending, but where do we start? How do we exactly do this? Ibrahim gives us certain examples, but they're examples of a very high caliber. And that's why he's khawasul khawas. He's the elite of the elite. And uh, I mean, this, I, I don't want to encourage this idea that when you can't get something as much as Ibrahim has, for example, then we think, well, at least we'll get somewhere. Although that is what we are going to do. I don't want to say that because I don't want to prevent somebody from being khawasul khawas just because I don't think I can get to that level. Do you understand the dilemma that I'm having? Because when we read these things, one is you read it theoretically and you guys all go and it's done. But the idea is not that. The idea is that we all somehow translate this into our own lives, apply it to ourselves. So how do we do this? So when, I give you the, when we give you the examples of Ibrahim salam, they're farther, farther, far above us. I don't know when we'll ever get there. That's what I think for myself. Of course, there's nothing beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is just, you can say, Qusuru Himmati. This is basically the shortcoming in my Himma and aspiration. Right? And our Himma and aspirations are generally made by what we look around and read in front of us and around us. Right? 
So, wallahu alam, it's not beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala though to get us, not to Ibrahim alayhi salam, that's a prophet's level, but to the level of the Siddiqeen and the Shaheed, which is open to everybody, right? But at the same time, to start off, then let's not think, one, we should definitely not think, this is too high, we can't do it. We can do a bit of this. We can start translating this into our life somehow. I mean, I give you an example. Yesterday, I went from home to uh, Forest Gate uh, for programming up to Lane. My battery indicator came on as I was going out. So I called home and I s told them, can you just check what that is? Because I didn't want to be driving the car and messing it up if there's a malfunction, you know? So apparently it was either the battery or the alternator that's going, right? Drove it there, alhamdulillah, got there, um, parked up, uh, finished the bayan, got back in, and now it's about half an hour left for iftar. It was about five to eight, uh, it's about nine o'clock. So I've got about 20 minutes to get back home, right? And the battery light is still there, but alhamdulillah, it's all right. Now on the way, suddenly it says front light malfunction, right? Um, now, okay, that's not too bad. Lights are not a big problem, right? And I, it wasn't, it wasn't bright anyway. It was bright anyway, right? Uh, then, then it said, um, then another flash, and it said uh, transmission system malfunction. I said, okay, now that's getting serious. Now my immediate thought—I mean, I'm just going through this just as an experience. My immediate thought was, who can I call? Right? Who can I call to figure out what this is all about? Right? This is what we generally do. Who can I call? Who can help me? Then I thought to myself, I can call anybody right now. But at the end of the day, I'll have to use my phone or I, if I put the because I turned everything off in the car except the car, you know, all the navigation system and the lights and everything. Because if it's a battery issue, you don't want to be. So I said, I'll have to put this uh, Bluetooth on. Right. And all that. So that helped me make that decision as well. I'm just being very honest. I thought, look, at the end of the day, if this car breaks down now, like if it stops right now, nobody's going to be able to help me. They're not going to come out right now for me. It's going to take half an hour, one hour anyway. My only hope is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I stopped reading the supara that I was reading for my door, for my tarabi, and I started reading Yaseen. Because what can help you? First I, first I did some Durud Sharif. Because Durud Sharif is supposed to be very powerful. Right? Durud Sharif is, you know, you read it for whatever purpose, it's supposed to help you. So I read some Durushi, then I started reading Yasin because Yasin is again one of those powerful surahs of the Quran. I just read Yasin and I'm going and then suddenly I feel a shudder in the steering wheel, right? That's giving up, the power steering. And it's the first time I'm experiencing all of this, right? And my brother did tell me when a problem happens with, you know, these cars with lots of these gadgets and things like that, then it's a problem. You know, it's fine when it works, but otherwise it's a problem. And... And there was more traffic to, uh, yesterday for some odd reason, you know. When I come back, uh, get off the, uh, when I come back towards Homerton, and then there's a massive line. Like, come on, you guys, move, hurry up! I need to get this home, you know. And the steering is now becoming stiff, right? And I'm just reading and reading, and Alhamdulillah, I managed to just get it in at home. I just about managed to park it because parking in a small space, you can hardly turn the wheel. It's stiff, like really, really stiff. Parked it put it off and then I thought let me just push it back let me just start it again push it back a bit so that I can open the bonnet and just take a quick look I couldn't start it the battery is gone so now if that car had stopped it wouldn't have started again because the battery was literally just going it was just literally just surviving but for me now I'm thinking to myself that was my Yasin. I did then uh, try to call uh, afterwards uh, after I, afterwards afterwards I tried to call somebody but it was it was too late then, you know. It, I mean, you know, he didn't pick it up anyway. But um, just to try to figure out what this is all about.
because I thought, should I carry on driving it? Should I leave it or whatever? I mean, it was iftar. I said, Bismillah, let's just go. But the idea is that our point of reference always goes to somebody else. Because people are so in front of us, we, we generally see benefit coming from people. We become associated with them straight away. And there's nothing wrong with asking people. It's not that we shouldn't ask people. But it's what is your heart saying? Where's your heart gone? Is your heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you need something? All the time it should be. The whole point of our wukuf, qalbi, our muraqaba is to get us associated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to such a degree that when we're driving, when we're doing anything, we're thinking about Him. And especially when something goes wrong, we first turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just how fast can you do that? Eventually after five days, somebody's going to turn to Allah. When He's tried everybody, He's going to turn to Allah after five days. But why can we not do it from before? And then also... Ask people if we need to. You can ask people. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to have to ask somebody. I can't. It'll be. And now it's wrong for me to just sit and say, Oh Allah, you sort it out for me. It's standing at the back. You sort it out for me. No, now I have to make calls and try to figure out how I'm going to get this done. Right. But what's the feeling in the heart? Now my the feeling in the heart needs to be that Allah is going to make this done. Allah is going to make this happen. But I'm going to have to make effort. Because if Allah didn't want it to happen, I could call a hundred people and they'll all say, sorry, I can't do it this weekend. Generally, the trend of the world that eventually somebody will do it for you. That's the suburb of the world. And Allah does work with predictability in this world generally. But if Allah wanted, then that car can be sitting there for the next month. Because I may get busy. I may not be able to do it. Or it may not be the problem that we think it is. And it could just be different, different. There's sometimes some people who take a car for a month, they're going back to the mechanic every day and they're changing different things. So at the end of the day, it can happen like that. Your trust must be in Allah. Oh Allah, you help me, you help me, you help me. And He will provide the help through something. So that's a manifestation of this. Just a manifestation of this. Of connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above people and not having full reliance in people because they can't help you except how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants them to help you. So, it is necessary for us as believers to follow the way of Ibrahim salam, And his, Ibrahim salam's millet is to remove him from the khalq. Because for example, when he was placed into the catapult to be thrown into the fire, Jibreel salam came to him and he said, Alaka haja, do you have a need? This is like a personal attendant coming to you as an angel. We're not going to get a personal attendant like that. But this is a personal attendant like an angel coming. Subhanallah, what do you need? To you I have no need. I have a need, but for you I have no need. As far as to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I definitely have a need. So then Jibreel said, okay, fine, then ask him. Ask him. And he said, Hasbi min su'ali ilmuhu bihali. It has sufficed me from asking him that I know that he knows my state. Now that is high level of wukuf qalbi. That is a high level of presence of the heart. Because I know that he knows that I am in this state. And he knows, and you see this takes us a notch higher. This is a notch higher. One is, oh Allah, help me. Another high level is, he knows... Even if I ask him, he's going to still do what he wants to do anyway. Because even if I make dua, it's up to Allah to accept, right? He's going to give me whatever it is. So I'm not going to ask him. I'm not going to ask him 
is there's a difference between I'm not going to ask him, not asking him of the awam and not asking him of the khawas. The awam's not asking him is because they don't even think about him. They have no time to ask because they're thinking about others. The reason why a prophet doesn't ask is because he knows he knows anyway. Once Haji Imdadullah became sick and he said, Allah wants me to be sick. I'm not even going to ask him for shifa. I just want to see how long he wants me to be sick for. Khalas. You can play, you know, we say like that's kind of like playing. But it's not. It's this playing of love. That's what it is. It's when you know at the end of the day you can do nothing and he does everything. So, okay, I leave it to you now. See how Ibrahim alayhi salam put his absolute aspiration away from the people and faced it completely directed it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, he didn't even help take the help of enlist the help of Jibreel alayhi salam. He didn't even ask Allah. He didn't even ask Allah. But he knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is closer than any Jibreel alayhi salam and from his questioning. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gave him safety from Namrud. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him huge rewards, huge rewards. That after Ibrahim alayhi salam, every prophet came from him, from his progeny. No prophet, after Ibrahim alayhi salam, it's almost like after Ibrahim alayhi salam, he becomes the center, the pivot, and after that, all prophets come from him. They're all his children. And all the four major books that we know about, they are also from among the prophets of his children as well. I mean, he is, he is just amazing. I mean, if that's his status, imagine the status of Rasulullah sallallahu was even higher than him. And it is part of the millet of Ibrahim alayhi salam to be an enemy of anything that will take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, when I say be an enemy of, don't take this literally and you start expressing enmity towards. This is taken in this context right an enemy you can't expect any benefit from your enemy that's what he's trying to say you can't expect any benefit from your enemy you can only expect harm and that's why he said because they are enemies to me except the lord of the worlds so if you want this kind of enrichment, the only way you can do it is to lose hope from anybody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, Shaykh Abul Hassan al-Shadhili said, Ayistu min naf'i nafsi li nafsi. When I became, when I gave up hope that I can myself help myself, I can myself help myself, then, فَكَيْفَ لَا أَيْأَسْ مِن نَفْعِ غَيْرِ لَهَا How can I then not feel hopeless that somebody else is going to be able to help me then. They're also like a nafs to myself. We've seen how much we can help ourselves. Without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much can we help ourselves? So if we can't help ourselves, how much can somebody else help ourselves? I hope to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for others. So why shouldn't I hope to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for myself? And he says, this is the kimya, this is the alchemy, this is the secret of life. This is what will turn things into gold for you. This is what will give you ghinan la faqata fi. 
such an enrichment after which there will be no hunger. Such a idh after which la dhulla, la dhulla minhu, la dhulla ma'hu. It'll be such an honor after which there'll be no disgrace that will come with it. Wa infaqun la nafada lahu. And you will then be able to spend and there will be no end to that spending. This is the kimia of the Ahlul Fahm. This is the kimia of the Ulul Albab. This is the kimia and the alchemy of the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why uh, he also, Shaykh um, Abul Hassan, uh, uh, Abul Hassan al-Shadri also said, Sahibani insanun wa kana thaqeelan alayya. That uh, there was a person who wanted to accompany me and it was a bit of a burden on me. But then after that, it became a bit easier and I said to him, Ya waladi ma hajatuk, what do you want? Why did you... Why did you accompany me? Why are you staying in my company for? Qala ya Sayyidi. He said, my, my master, it, somebody told me that you know kimia, you know alchemy. There was this craze in those days. Everybody was looking for this alchemy, this thing about turning dust into gold. Right? It was like, it, it was his belief in those middle ages that people could do this. So somebody said that he could do this. Sheikh Abul Hassan al-Shadri. So, uh, finally he pulled it out from like okay why he says oh you be, I've been told that you can uh, you have alchemy so I am accompanying you so I can study it from you uh, so he said yes yeah, you're absolutely right and those who told you are also absolutely right meaning but my, my, my fear is I believe that you're not going to be able to accept what I say uh, he says, but no, I'm going to definitely. I mean, he's come for that reason. Why shouldn't I accept it? I will definitely accept it. He said, This is my kimia. This is my alchemy. I looked among people and I saw them of two types. If we look around us, we're going to see people of two types. One is, Either they're your enemy, they're envious of you, jealous of you, or they're outright enemies of you, or they are uh, your loved ones. They are people who are, who are your friends and associates. So I looked at the first group first and I recognized that they are unable to harm me except with that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Yes, they can harm me but only as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. So the harm is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality. So I said forget about them. I cut my vision away from them. I turned my vision away from them. Then I looked at the ahibba my associates and then I realized that they cannot benefit me except with how much Allah wants them to benefit me so then again I said okay forget them as well and then I thought I'll just ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all my needs so then it was said to me that you are unable to reach the reality of this matter until you also cut all hopes from me as well from us as well now, for us, that much would have been enough. That's an accomplishment. But he was being taken to a higher level. So he was told by uh, he was told that no, you can still not reach the reality of this matter until you also cut your desires from us as well, just as you've cut it from others. So that we will give you whatever has been allotted for you already. Because we know best what to give you. <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's created. He knows what's best that he's, uh, that he's going to give us. Now, as I said, this is a very high level to reach. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped him to reach that status. It was just a moment for him to do that.
So take the creation out of our hearts. Take out also the, the, the desire that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us and let him give you whatever he's already predestined for us. And then he says something very interesting. That when a person has a lot of understanding and a lot of knowledge, sorry, when a person has a lot of knowledge, that doesn't prove that he has a lot of understanding about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's no indicator that he's understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If somebody is also regular on their wird, their daily regimen of dhikr, every day they're doing, that also is no proof that they've understood the reality. That's another level. That's why he's saying, وَإِنَّمَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ نُورِهِ وَفَهْمِهِ غِنَاهُ بِرَبِّهِ The only thing that will indicate that somebody is truly uh, 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 illuminated and understanding and comprehending is that he is totally enriched by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. Ali radiallahu anhu came to Basra. And Ali radiallahu anhu during his khilafah, they came to Basra. And he entered the big masjid there. He, met, he saw so many people. You know, in those days, uh, now we have one bayan in a masjid. If you had two bayans in a masjid, you can understand what will happen. right? But um, in those days, these were big masjids. Every pillar was a place for dars. And it was like a university. You go in there, sit wherever you want. So in many of them, there were these qusas, these wa'idheen, people who just told stories, kind of inspirational stories. And Ali radiallahu anh had a like a lot of them they were just there for whatever reasons they were there Ali radiallahu anhu told them to all get up and move from there and stop sitting there and then he came to uh, Hassan Basri who was young at the time younger at the time and he says look I'm going to ask you a question as well if you give me an answer a proper answer I'm going to let you stay here otherwise you also go so then he asked him he saw he actually saw some piety on his on his face he saw something about him that's why he didn't just make him stand up and he asked him this question so Hassan Basri rahmatullah said ask whatever you want he said ma milakud deen what is the crux of the deen what is the main aspect of the deen he said al wara scrupulousness ma fasadud deen he said at tama this ambitious desire so when somebody who's sitting there like that says that, then that means he's really true because generally people who will sit there to give talks and things like this and just inspire people are there to get a position or to get some gifts or something like that. So when he said, this is the case, he said, Ijlis, you stay here. فَمِثْلُكَ مَنْ يَتَكَلَّمْ عَلَى النَّاسِ It should be people like you who speak to the people. Uh, Sheikh Abu Abbas al-Mursi, he says that in the beginning, in the beginning days when I started uh, the path, I was in Iskandaria. That's where he's eventually buried as well. But I was in Alexandria. And I went to somebody who was a street, uh, one of those sellers, a, shop, a, ship, a shopkeeper or something, and he knew me. He knew me. And subhanAllah, this is like so perfect as an example. He said, I bought something for half a dirham from him. I needed, uh, there was something I needed, so I bought it for half a dirham. But I was saying in my heart, لَعَلَّهُ لَا يَأْخُذُهُ مِنِّي Like maybe he's not going to take the money from me. You know, sometimes you go to somebody, he's going to give me a discount. <coughs> You think, because he knows me, he'll give me a discount. He might give me something for free. He might just say, just take it. So I said that. And then suddenly a sound came to me. As-salamatu fi bi-tarki tam'i fil-makhluqeen. 
If you want salama in your deen, then it is by abandoning all kinds of ambitious desire from creation. Have your desire in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he said basically, A person who has this kind of ambitious desire from creation will never be satisfied. Haven't you realized that the word tama itself is are all hollow? Ta has got a hollowness, meme has got hollowness, and ain has also big hollows, right? So how can you be that's just the point, that's just the like general point that somebody will make, right? So when it comes to your risk and everything like that, just have your desire, uh, have your your association with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what this one was all about, which formed the basis for the next one, which was nothing leads you like suspicion. It's this it's the this desire this suspicion it's a suspicion at the end of the day the word is a bit of a misnomer in in this context but essentially that's what it is no, the creation cannot benefit you so let's read what sheikh abdullah gangohi says the branches of the tree of disgrace grow and spread from the seed of ambitious desire that has taken root in the heart disgrace is always the consequence of greed and desire if you don't manage this greed then you will get disgrace when the man's heart, uh, when the man's heart desires wealth and fame, then for its acquisition, he will certainly establish a relationship with people and direct his appeals to them. This acquisition of wealth or fame is not possible without collusion with others. His desire constrains him to flatter and beg others. This is great disgrace. Toma is thus part of the root of evil. True respect lies in a man's heart being devoid of any relationship with anyone besides Allah. He remains independent from all. This treasure of true respect is acquired by the elimination of greed and the cultivation of contentment. When he says he should be devoid of any relationship with anybody besides Allah, then that obviously means in terms of benefit and harm and risk. Because you have to have a relationship with people. So again, always understand this in the view of everything else. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. We say these things, the, the whole reason we bring these things up is so we can all benefit. If this discourse isn't there, we don't even know the discourse exists. We don't understand this kind of refined aspects of spirituality. Then we're just going to be essentially stumbling around in the dark. We're trying. What is the goal of our dhikr? What is the goal of our association? It's to understand these things. When we know theory about something, we have, inshallah, the possibility of hopefully driving in that direction. If we don't even know the theory of these high, high levels, somebody might think these are very high level things. Yes, they are very high level things. But hopefully, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us some benefit of them. Just by reading the words of these great mashayikh, maybe... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us some barakah through that. Otherwise, our actions are very, very poor. Okay. <clears throat> okay, let's do our muraqaba. Allahumma anda salamu minka salam tabarak tiyad al-jalali wal-ikram. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. 
Oh Allah, Ramadan is fast going. Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us all of our sins, our wrongdoings, our excesses, our shortcomings, our defects. Oh Allah, oh Allah, our boldness in front of you, we ask you to forgive us. Oh Allah, we've committed many things in the past and when nothing has happened, we've taken that as a sense of security and we've committed the sins again. Oh Allah, oh Allah, forgive us our excesses. Oh Allah, guide us aright. Oh Allah, allow us to see the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it. And allow us to see the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. Oh Allah, we ask that you turn our attention and our himma entirely to you. Oh Allah, that we think of you first before anything else. Oh Allah, that we think only of you. Oh Allah, that we only ask you for assistance. Oh Allah, this is something that we read every day. Oh Allah, this is something that we read every day. But our actions are different to what we do every day. Oh Allah, make those verses a reality in our heart. A reality in our life. A reality in our life. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, the Lord, the, your mercy, oh Allah, your mercy is constantly surrounding us. Oh most merciful of the merciful, the rivers of your mercy are constantly flowing. We ask you for a single drop. Oh Allah, Ramadan is going by, Ramadan is going by, many days have already passed. Oh Allah, we're slowly moving to the second half. Oh Allah, do not deprive us of the barakat of this month. Oh Allah, make this month like no other month. Make this Ramadan like no other Ramadan we've had before it. Oh Allah, give us more in this Ramadan than you've given any time before to us. Oh Allah, give us the best of all du'as made by your mashaykh during this month. And oh Allah, protect us from all the evil that has been sought from you. Oh Allah, during this month. Oh Allah, grant us barakah and blessing in our life. Grant us barakah and blessing in our health. In our Iman, keep our Iman strong. Oh Allah, keep our Iman strong. Keep our Iman firm. Keep us firm on your words. Oh Allah, make our surrounding conducive for us. Make your obedience beloved to our heart so we want to do it. Make your disobedience hated in our heart so we hate to do it. Oh Allah, make it easy for us to follow your path. Grant us well-being. Oh Allah, grant us well-being. Grant us well-being. And oh Allah, grant us sustenance. And grant us the ability to thank you for the sustenance that you give us. Oh Allah, oh Allah. People have come with many different intentions to be on the path. Oh Allah, oh Allah. We don't have much to offer. But oh Allah, we're all sitting here waiting for your mercy to descend on us. For your compassion, for your attention, for your attention, your benevolence, your gifts. Oh Allah, accept us all for your path. Oh Allah, accept us all for your love. Accept us all for your closeness. Grant us wilaya, grant us closeness. Oh Allah, make our entire families from the awliya. Oh Allah, bless us all. Bless our entire families. Bless all those who are associated with us. All our relatives and all those, oh Allah, who've told us to make dua for them and those who expect us to make dua for them. Oh Allah, our teachers, our students. Oh Allah, all our associates, our, our benefactors. Oh Allah, bless them all during this month. Oh Allah, don't leave any of us, don't leave any of us deprived during this month and accept us all to be freed from the hellfire during this month. Oh Allah, in that list that you have each night, oh Allah, write our names in those lists. Oh Allah, write our names in that list. And oh Allah, make our post-Ramadan better than it used to be before Ramadan. And oh Allah, grant us closeness to you, grant us closeness to you and grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. Oh Allah, make the best days of our life 
the final days of our life and make the best moment of our life the moment that we stand in front of you and finally we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam grant us his company in the hereafter subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun alal mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen